2: Well, met fellow adventurers, we are back with Sir Crokington, who is visiting the city of Port Halleck to engage in adventures upon the high seas, and the low seas, and the middle seas, and any other seas that happen to be handy. I don't know the difference between them, and what makes a sea high? I do not know. Does it have to be just a really long way away from land? That would mean it curves over the horizon. So it would be the low sea. Would it? Who knows? Who knows? Not me. I'm not a pirate. Or a sailor. Or any other kind of nautical gent. Right, so. Here's Sir Croquiton's current stats. 79 MR. 99 SP. And 23 Neville Reserve. I can boost the Neville Reserve now by, if I ever need to, by equipping Corazon's Hood. And by equipping the Wing of Mystic Ability and the Dagger of Nightmares. Quite a capacity for boosting those if, say, I was doing a replayable where MR doesn't matter. Because everything's scaled. An SP... Doesn't matter as much because you can heal with your huge em with your huge naval reserve. Anyway, here we are in Halleck. The bustling city of Port Halleck is the kingdom's largest and busiest seaport. Ships from across the realms drop anchor here while their cargoes are unloaded and their stocks replenished. The city's harbour a wide, natural cove, offers a relatively safe inlet from the wide waters of the Sundrian Sea. Much of the Titian Navy is located here. And a large garrison of the kingdom's armies maintained within the ancient walled port. Alright, let's visit the Eye of the Sea. Seems to be the local weird thing. The Eye of the Sea is a massive, eye-shaped rock, seated atop a small wound of earth that overlooks the Port Halleck Cove. Said the Eye was raised from the depths of the cove by a powerful spellcaster many years ago. Now a piece of local folklore has come to be believed that the Eye possesses mystical powers and that it watches over the vessels that leave Port Halleck Brave the open waters of the sundry sea. As you stand admiring the usual walk, walk, you notice a man kneeling in prayer next to the massive piece of stone. Oh, hello! (laughs) Approach the man. The middle aged man is startled by your sudden approach, but he quickly regains his composure and greets you warmly. He tells you he is leaving on a sea voyage tomorrow. He was praying the eye would watch over his vessel and his crew during the journey. Some of the younger lads would just as soon not hear mention of the eye these days, he says, but it's the old hands like me that know the powers of its protection, are more than mere myth. The man introduces himself as Captain Tybor Greenfen, of the galleon Silver Crown. He told you he was always seeking bold, able-bodied talent to swell his ranks. I've been around long enough to know a spot of vigour when I see it, he says, looking over you closely. I'm holding a rather important cargo to pack war, and I'll put fifty tokens in your hand, payable when my old gal drops at her destination. leave We leave tomorrow. Are you interested? Ooh. Have an adventure upon the high sea? Or a fairly boring cruise, depending. But, I mean, I'm an adventurer. Stuff always happens when I appear. It's just the rules. Otherwise, I wouldn't. Things wouldn't have been arranged that I would be here. You'd have found someone else... And I would have turned up if it was just a regular voyage. So accept the offer and join the mission. Captain Greenfin smiles and meets you on a shoulder cross. So you see, he says smiling, The eye of the sea has already sent a bit of good fortune my way, it would seem. You follow the captain through the streets of Port Halleck to the harbour cove. It is there, the end of a long wharf, that you first... cut. First set your eyes upon the silver crown, a battered old galleon flying the colours of Taisa. She's perhaps not quite as spry as she once was, he says as he leads you aboard, but she'll handle whatever the old Sundron can kick up, and let there be no mistake about it. You spend the night aboard the silver crown with the captain and his thirty-five member crew listening with great interest as he relates stories of their many different adventures upon the high seas. Most of the men present have been Captain Grief friend of more than one voyage, while the other twelve, and you, have just recently been signed on. The captain tells you that voyage to pakwa will take three days, and all indications are that weather will be fair for the trek. You go to sleep that night in a womb below deck with six other crew members and awaken before dawn as all hands are caught, drawn to the deck to prepare the vessel for departure. As promised, the Silver Crown lurches out of the harbour cove early the next morning under clear skies as it begins the lengthy trek across the mouth of the sand split. For nearly two days... The voyage passes without incident until picking a number between 1 and 100. And this determines what thing will happen. Pick now. 98. On the morning of the third day of the voyage, as you busy yourself with one of your shipboard duties, you're startled by a sudden cry from the crow's nest, Sea Trosk depart! What is a Sea Trosk? Well, there's a link here. These powerful aquatic serpents dwell in the depths of the sea and will, on occasion, surface to attack ships. They are a larger, more powerful relative of the Trosk. There are several varieties of these massive serpents, though the majority of them have brown and grey scales. Their heads are adorned with a pair of long white horns that the creature will use to attack. These massive reptiles may grow to be over 200 feet in length. The sea trusk is perhaps the most dreaded denizen of the deep for all Scythian mariners. Well... Oh. Oh, looks like we've we've got I'm, I'm gone in, got right into the deep end. Good thing I'm on a boat though; that helps with being in the deep end. Your blood runs cold upon hearing these ominous words, and you turn to witness the fearsome serpent, serpent as it rises swiftly out of the dark ocean depths. The sea trusk roars as it wears back its head. And raises its tail on the starboard side of the ship. With unnerving speed, the hideous creature begins to wrap itself around the silver crown. Repel! Repel! Cut the beast from our boards! Screams Captain Greenfen, as he draws his blade and charges across the deck with the rest of his crew, determined not to let the serpent drag the vessel or under. So I have two options, join the attack on the fearsome serpent or hide below deck. Well considering that's what the serpent is going to be crushing, hiding below deck is both cowardly and reckless at the same time, which is a rare combination. Obviously I'm going to attack the fearsome serpent. Was there ever any doubt? Not really you charge to wail alongside your sh- your fellow shipmates as you prepare to engage the Benemoth sea beast. Okay, I'm just going to have to use this dagger. Fortunately, I've got a slightly longer dagger from the Phantom Assassin. That's slightly more magical, so I'm just going to... I think for the first time, this dagger will be used to kill to save a life. Hope hope you enjoy that, Dagger. Massive sea serpent. The captain issues a wallowing cry as his crew desperately attempt to repel the massive sea serpent. The serpent lunges at you and the rest of the crew. Alright, keeps lunging, I keep stabbing. Fortunately, the serpent is so distracted by everybody else attacking it, ...that it's not getting any hits on me. And it is slain. 36 XP. The massive sea serpent emits a powerful bellow... ...as its raised torso sways back and forth across the main deck. Then, as a loud gurgling sound issues forth from its gaping jaws... ...its battered and bloodied carcass slips silently beneath the waves... A loud cheer erupts as the last of the fearsome serpent disappears from view in the dark water below. The captain praises the entire crew for a fine effort, then bows his head in silent prayer. Captain Griefen orders all hands on deck, and when everyone is accounted for, he asks the first mate to sound the ship. A few minutes later, the first mate returns to the fort to report the ship has sustained only minimal damage and the hull is sound. You see, beams the captain as he slaps you on his shoulder, the eye of the sea watches over us yet. I'd rather it kept the serpent away entirely, but maybe it's not that powerful. Maybe you can only, you know, twinge things a little bit. You know, slightly nudge things in the more safer direction. I mean, it's just an eye. It's not, the enti- it's not the entire big monster of the sea. <laughs> just an eye. The voyage across the remainder of the sand split is resumed. And both captain and crew seem to be in fine spirits as the weathered galleon begins the last leg of its trek to Pack raw. However, as the day wears on, you become aware of something odd. As you tend to your onboard duties, you notice the 12 new members of the Silver Crown's crew seem to be purposely avoiding working alongside or interacting, interacting with the captain's established of seamen. Hmm. I mean, I know maybe they're just friends, but I think you'd at least want to somewhat ingratiate yourself with the old guard. When you try to strike try, try up a conversation with them, he merely smiles briefly, then quickly moves away without speaking a word. I mean, uh, I mean it could just be nothing, but as the dusk rolls across the sundron, the ship drops anchor just outside the harbour of Pakwar. The captain announces the port city does not allow ships into harbour after sunset, and yeah, I Guess it would be easier to hide snug smuggling in contraband at night, so kinda makes sense. It is a major military set garrison, so well, they can make their own rules and we just just wait wait, yep. And the voyage will be completed at dawn's first night. The night you settle into your bunk below deck, in the room we share with the twelve new crewmen you drift into an uneasy sleep, as Captain Greenfin's ship continues to cut a dark course across the open ocean. All right. Wait, it's not cutting a course; he's just waiting. You wake with a start, to the unmistakable sounds of battle from the deck above. You're about to leap out of your bunk when suddenly a pair of hairy clawed hands grasp clamp onto your throat in the darkness. (laughs) You desperately try to free yourself from the vice-like grip that is choking out your life. The face of a large rat looms over you in the darkness. You instantly recognise the man-sized rat creature as a Kogari. The vicious matman grinds its sharp yellow teeth as it relishes what it believes to be the last few moments of your life, what is a kagari? Let us explain in further detail. The kagari, a semi-mythical race of mapmen, men, have long been thought to dwell in the secret subterranean lair beneath the city of Twific. As popular folklore has it, these map men roam the streets of Twific and the woodlands are surrounded under the cover of night, plying their stealthy but vicious brand of villainy, which most often includes fevery and murder. Most disturbing of all is the popular belief that kagari, were able to assume human form almost at will, and thus blend in with the world of man to suit their own devious ends. Dursospin is said, that when killed, Kagari often assume, assume its human guise, thus concealing its true nature even in death. Sightings of Kagari, roving in large bands after Narutbul, have been, been on the rise in and around the city of Kagar Bakwa. Many of the sightings witness claim the white right men made no effort to conceal their true form. Well, that seems like a problem that I'll have to deal with eventually. So, if I had unarmed combat, I could use it, but I don't, so I can't. So, i just got to squirm. Attempt to break free of the Watt Man's powerful grip. You struggle to free yourself from the Kagari's powerful grip. This foul creature attempts to choke out your life. Oh, come on, this is unfair! He's bigger than me. Picking a number. Bonus of 23. I'll just have to use use toad slime and squeak and slip out. Use bonus of 23. 15 from might, 8 from body. Got to get 50 or more. Or I'll be choked to death. Pick now. 92. Success. Your might proves to be more than. Your might and slippiness. Proves to be more than the Watman is prepared to handle, as you slip out of his grasp, sending him tumbling backwards into the wall of the cabin. I I, I don't know if that actually happened. Before the startled Grigari can properly regain his footing, you are upon him. It's a Kogari, begin combat. The vicious Watman tears at you with his sharp claws, and I stab with the sharp knife which is longer, and thus deadlier, and is slain. 2XB You step over the dead Kagari quickly, but cautiously. Make your way up the steps to a main deck, where a horrifying sight greets your eyes. Captain Green then, and six of his crew, are pitched in a brutal struggle against eleven Kagari. The bloodied bodies of the first mate, another crew member, lie sprawled on the deck. You suddenly realize to Kigari now attacking the captain and his crew... ...and they'll try to murder you in your sleep... ...with a 12 new troop crew members taken on it, Port Halleck. The strange behaviour of the 12... ...men... ...now appears to at least have an explanation. Your eyes are drawn to the captain... ...who is holding his ground against a particularly large rat man... ...wielding a barred flail. The captain brandishes his short blade as his eyes remain focused on the flail-weeding hughari that stalks towards him across the main deck. Battle wages aboard the Silver Crown. So I can rush to the aid of the captain, if I have archery, I don't have to rush as much, because a bow, as is, is an arrow, is faster than a man. And especially it's faster than a toad. I, I guess I have a really small bow? I don't know how this works. Practice, I guess. In a swift, fluid motion, you draw your bow and notch an arrow, taking aim at the advancing Kugari, picking a number. Bonus of six from archery. Gotta get forty or more and shoot it right through the heart. Pick now. Forty-nine. Success. Your arrow screams across the main deck and strikes the advancing Kagari in the side, directly beneath his right arm. The missile has punctured the white man's lungs, and almost at once he drops to his knees as he fights for air. The fight is short-lived, however, as Captain Greenford strides forward and mercifully removes his head with a swift queen stroke. Indeed a blessing, Sir Crokington, he shouts as he races to the other side of the deck to the aid of the rest of the embattled crew. Well, that's at least two of them down. Stealing yourself for combat, you squ follows swiftly behind him. And third
0: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator, book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place
1: investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at That's corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T o-r-n-t.com. com.
2: 32 experience to general. Next, near the door to the captain's cabin, you come across an axe-wielding Kogari who has just slain a crewman. Ray, hey, that's naughty! Naughty! The white man looks up from the mutilated body of the slain human and launches himself at you in a vicious attack. It's an axe-wielding kagari. Here you go. The vicious white man hacks at you with an axe and I stab with... with I stab with the glittering long knife, stolen from the phantom assassin himself! Hmm, I bet you're not used to dealing with things other than humans, are you? Little knifey, you're not used to fighting actual monsters, are you? Hmm, you are slain. 6 xp. The kagari drops to the deck, and you spin on your heel. Confronted by a whap, man who stands directly in front of you, his long blade poised to cleave your skull in two, before you can react, your would-be assailant topples over dead, with the hilt of a blown, bone-handled knife protruding from his back. A smart, a smiling crewmate quickly removes the knife, and you both watch with grim satisfaction as the captain and the two crewmen finish off the last of the Kigari, Yeah? Dude, this is one competent crew. I mean, I haven't killed even half of them. Well, let's see. I killed the one that was trying to choke me. And I half killed the... I half killed the one that was a cat. And I killed this one. I got three, maybe about two and a half kills. Yeah. I mean, that, that's not even a quarter of them. That is quite a low number compared to how it usually goes where... Know, is it the rest of the people just kind of stand there cowing or engaged in endless blow-for-blows that don't get anywhere. And it ends up with the hero have, has, has to kill all of them. But not here. This is a competent crew. Who can mostly handle themselves as long as they're not completely taken by surprise. Which they were. Which is how they got anything in. The bodies of Kigari are all pitched overboard and the captain orders the bodies of the first mate and the five of the dead crewmen to be gathered together so that prayers may be offered for them. Captain Graython, with teary eyes and a heavy voice, bids a solemn and dignified farewell to the five men who perished at the hands of the attackers. When the short service is concluded, he orders them lowered into the sea. Starboard side, with their eyes facing skyward, as is the custom with fallen mariners. Whether they wanted ship, or cargo, or both, they received that which their foul breed deserves, grumbles the captain. Yours, the watch be doubled for the rest of the night, before retreating to his cabin. At first light, the sober crown raises its anchor. And enters the Pacwar Harbour, at last, completing his voyage. You learn that while there is cargo still on the ship's holders to be unloaded, perhaps the wheel cargo was an oldly man, hidden away below deck in a large wooden quake that had been fashioned into a makeshift cabin. The captain escorts this man off the ship, where he is met by a two-horse carriage that has arrived on the wharf, The man steps into the carriage and is swiftly borne away. Captain Greenfin, upon returning the ship, confides in you that the old man you saw departing was the main reason for the voyage. I hate to think the Kogaro were after him, and that his enemies ended the life, my friend, and first mate, he says. His voice tinged with sadness. Well, you did all right for certain, Sir Crokington. It's an honour to cut the waves with you. May our return journey prove less arduous. Late in the morning, Captain Greenfin settles with the crew. When he summons you to his cabin, he hands you a pouch of gold that contains three times the amount you signed on for. You've earned every coin, friend, he smiles. 150 gold tokens. The captain spends the remainder of the day hiring new crewmen to replace those lost at sea. When he has a full complement, he announces at dawn that at dawn the next day, the Silver Crown will begin its return voyage. The trek home proves ultimately uneventful, and you are relieved when the ship draws into the Port Harlet Cove, three days after having sailed out of pac before you depart, Captain Greenham tells you he conducts his business above a tavern on gall Street, known as the Beggar's Arms. He invites you to stop by from time to time. We always always need for a capable set of hands, he says, slapping you on the back as you disembark. With a final wave from the quayside, you set off on your way through the city streets, quite happy to once again have your feet on solid ground. And that is the end of this little little quest for 128 experience to general. Time to rest now. Visit the eye of the sea. Kneel in prayer. You kneel in prayer before the eye of the sea. And almost at once you feel a strange sensation wash over you. The shrill cry of a gull soaring high overhead stirs you from your contemplation. You rise to your feet and slowly walk away from the massive stone monument. Do, do I have it yet? No not yet. Let's keep visiting the Eye of the Sea. Nope, visit it again. And again. Again. Gotta keep visiting it and you will learn seamanship. Uh. That's just how it works. Yep. Here we go. You kneel in pr- silent prayer before the eye of the sea. Almost at once, you feel a strange, calming sensation wash over you. Your mind is flooded with images of a raging ocean and a proud ship sailing a dangerous course through the turbulent waters. Acquired the, the skill of seamanship. Your current level of mastery is one. Novice. I am the worst type of seaman. I can only thus know which way the ocean is. Yes. Anyhow, now I can pick up my stored experience by going to a blue door. There's one in tallinus Stored experience... 376 experience to seamanship All right, and there we go now let's boost seamanship to the maximum level training it here we are level 10 keep training keep training keep training keep training keep training level 20 one more, and now that it's maxed out at level 20. Well, not maxed out, it's I've used all the stored experience and got to level 23, which is handy. Now, is there anything else in Port Harleck? Let's see, no adventures here yet. I could visit the Port Halleck trading post, explore the streets. Ah, yes, I could go to Gore Street. After a somewhat lengthy trek through the streets of Port Halleck, you come upon that which you seek Gore Street. You've been moving along Gull Street for less than a minute... ...when you spot three guards with their swords drawn... ...chasing young man into the alley. The man man in flight is garbled in a green tunic... ...and seems to be running for his life. Well, I guess I'll follow. You you quickly move across the street. Step into the alley behind the three guards. The alley is not very long... ...and ends abruptly at a stone, high stone wall. It's there, the man in the green tunic... Been cornered by the three advancing guards. Suddenly, the man draws a thin iron wad, levels his pursuers. The three guards immediately turn on their heels and scramble towards the mouth of the alley. Before they even take in a handful of steps, each of them dis- disintegrates into a cloud of swirling dust. Heart skips a beat when the young man, his face drawn into a sneer, levels the iron wad at you. Prinkling sensation spreads across your entire body, an in intense heat it seems to be welling up within your chest. Fear overtakes you, Fear overtakes your senses as you realize he's attempting to dis- disintegrate you. Okay, uh, attempt to run, or well, they tried running, that didn't work. Attempt to reason with the man. You plead with the young man. Tempted to assure him you mean him no harm. Okay, I think I do. And he only followed the guards into the alley out of curiosity. Pick your number. Bonus 64 to diplomacy. Pick now. You picked a random number. 120, 4 XP to general. Young man appears to have believed your story. And he lowers the iron wad raises his left hand and instantly a swirling black portal opens next to him. Without hesitation he steps into it, and the vortex begins closing behind him. You catch a glimpse of his face just before the portal closes completely, and much to surprise, he is staring directly at you. A sinister grin spread across the breadth of his face. The portal closes completely and he is lost from sight. Not wishing to linger here any a moment longer, you turn and leave the alley. The cry of sea birds and the smell of fish assail your senses, as you move along the crowded thoroughfare that is Gold Street. This wide, cluttered street runs adjacent to the city's harbor cove, and is here that much of the port's commerce is conducted. You keep a watchful eye on the many beggars. Another woggy-looking characters that line the street should make your way along it. Visit a tavern known as the Beggar's Arms. Oh yes, that's where the captain is. Despite its colourful name, you find the Beggar's Arms to be a surprisingly clean and somewhat respectable establishment. The tavern's patrons, patrons huddle around small round tables, drinking mugs, steaming paleo, swapping talk small tales and wagering on games of cards and dice. The tavern keeper, a well-dressed man with a grey beard and a shiny bald head, greets you with a smile and a nod. You recall Captain Greenfield of the Silver Crown telling you that he conducted his business affairs from the tavern. Well first, let's have some paleo and an end of hard bread. The steaming mug of paleo at the end of Bramhead hard bread do much to eat away at your fatigue upon having finished a simple meal you feel both satisfied and revived he conversation with the tavern keeper the tavern keeper tells you that his establishment remains respectable because he serves only paleo not ale folk that come in through the door want to drive the chill of the sun and spray from their bones he says Pale will do that. Doesn't take out of a man's mind either. A good mug of paleo will give you your feet. He hands you a steaming mug of paleo and smiles. You graciously accept the strong boot brew and thank him. It's a pleasure to see such a pretty face around here for once. He smiles. Oh, he's got weird standards. Oh, because well. <laughs> you know a toad. <laughs> okay, now let's see the captain. Inquire to the tavern keeper about Captain Greenfern. The tavern keeper nod, nods and leads you to the back of the common room, up a set of wickety wooden stairs to a small room on the tavern's second floor, there, behind a long wooden table, the surface of which is cluttered with stacks of documents, sits Captain Greenfern. As the tavern keeper takes his leave of you, the captain rises from his chair and jovially greets you. Fancy you coming about this way, you just... No. No end to this drudgery. For every piece of cargo I sew in a the hole, there's a dozen scraps of paper to attest to it all. Oh, what? Did Tyser Brexit too? <laughs> no, no, no. Nah, it, nah, it hasn't even... entered, so it can't Brexit yet. The captain tells you he has not made a voyage in several weeks and he's presently tied and tended to several local affairs. He tells you, however, he's planning a special voyage and he'd very much like to have you sign on for it when the time comes. Now, how about some paleo? specials of the house, you know. All right, let's have some paleo. I just had some paleo, but I like paleo, so I'll have more paleo. Captain Greenfern leaves the womb and turns moments later with two steaming mugs of paleo. When you sit with the captain, it's a your paleo. He relates to you some of the recent happenings in Port Halleck. Suddenly, the door to the womb burst open and three large men stride in, each wielding a stout wooden cudgel. The men rush forward and overturn the cable, scattering the documents. On its surface, to all corners of the room. Hey, hey! There's a system there. Then the three men hoist Captain Greenford up from his chair by his collar and press him firmly against the wall. We haven't seen the proper trip you have, you in quite some time. grumbles one of the men. Our head man thinks you might have forgotten about the bargain. The captain stammers nervously as he attempts to form some sort of reply. Okay. So I could rise and confront the three men. All remain seated and do nothing. Uh, I'm going to have to confront them. That's what heroes do. Boing! Hop over. You rise to your feet and demand the three men release the captain. Your wish is granted, but the three men quickly turn and sit upon you with their wooden cudgels. Oh, gretham has got himself a strong arm! That's one of the men i sooner a one-legged bog goblin as my hard muscle than this wretched. It's three toughs. But they're not that tough, because they're green. Subdue your enemy. The three men strike at you with their wooden cudgels. Uh, I keep stabbing. But you know, a non-fatal stab. A subduing stab, not a murdery stab. Don't know how you do it, I just have. You have subdued your foe. They've lost enough blood to fall over, or something like that, or just run. The three men stagger out of the room, their bodies battered, and the ego severely bruised. Captain Greenthorn, who seems quite taken aback by his sudden turn of events, quickly regains his composure and thanks you heartily for your actions. Oh good, I thought I'd made things worse somehow. When he asks Captain about the three men who are after, he shakes his head solemnly, tells you it is a piece of ugly but local business he must deal with alone. I must say, I appreciate your concern, Sir i have got to take care of this bit of business on my own. Captain Greentham hurriedly gathers up a few belongings and tells you that he must be off at once to attend to some very important matters. He wishes you well and asks you to stop by to see him soon. You bid him farewell before making your way out of the tavern. All right, and that's that's enough. For, that, that seems to be it in like oh adventures. No, no, there are no adventures. It was just uh, some sort of thing that happens sometimes. You get links to adventures when there are no adventures. That is to be expected. All right, what else is there to do? Was well, one more thing nearby. Yeah, I'll save that for later. Anyway, so in the next episode, we'll be going into the murk and dealing with the murk men in the murk. And it shall be a murky business indeed. But until then, farewell, fellow
0: adventurers.